morning, everyone. And I wanted to wish everybody a Merry Christmas, too. Merry Christmas, everybody. So, for those who are watching online, this is not a rerun. You're not clicking on the wrong day. It's Christmas in July. So, um, I'm wearing this hat because I hope when you're at lunch or something, you'll remember that I had this goofy hat on, and it will remind you to fill up one of these Christmas stockings, right? So um, we, do, we do these in July. These are for the Salvation Army. They're outside on this table right here. And um, it's an awesome ministry we do in July, Christmas in July. And that is not the only Christmas in July that we have. Um, we also have on July 27th, the children's ministry does our shoe boxes. Uh, United Methodist Church does shoe boxes that go to other countries, and you can be a part of that. So um, on the 27th, the youth and kids are going to bring $5 for postage, and we are going to pack the boxes. And if you're here and you say, well, I want to be a part of that, and I'm not a youth or a kid, ask Catherine how you can help, and we could always use the $5 to help with postage for those boxes from you too. So you can be a part of that. Pastor Sam um, has a Wednesday morning Bible study. Um, at 11 a.m., and it's great. And if you miss it, you can watch it online on Facebook Live at 6 p.m. Um, Men at the Well, if you've never heard of this, it's really great. Men at the Well meet at 7 a.m. in the morning on Thursdays um, and have a devotional together, and they have a lot of fun. I would invite you to join that group. Um, this is one of my favorite announcements I get to make. The Exceptional Persons Party here at the church uh, is July 20th at 3 p.m. It's going to be upstairs in our gathering room. And it's awesome. Just raise your hand if you've ever been a part of the Exceptional Persons Party. It's awesome. So if you're not sure what it is, ask one of those people that you saw with their hand raised and say, what do you do and how do we be a part of it? Adults with special needs come here to the church and we just have a great, great party for them. It's awesome. Uh, my last announcement is the youth are going to be doing the Walls of Jericho hike on Saturday, August 6th. It is one of the hardest hikes in Alabama. So we thought, let's do that hike in the heat of the summer. So uh, it's great, it's great. Um, so you're welcome to join that. This is the last announcement. I said that was the last one, but the United Methodist Women, and if you're here and you say, well, I don't know if I'm a part of that group. If you're a lady, you're a United Methodist woman and you are invited to this, okay? And you can bring your neighbors, bring your friends, they are meeting July 19th at 6 p.m. at CJ's Crab Shack. And they have so much fun together. So I would welcome you to be a part of that as well, and you'll love it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Loving God, we are so thankful that we can come together and worship this morning. And we thank you for these great things like Christmas in July that we can, that we can serve together. Uh, we pray that in this service that you'll help us calm our hearts and our minds and help us focus on you. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.
Please remain standing and join us in the affirmation of faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. As we prepare our hearts for a time of tithe and offering, I wanted to let uh, those who are watching online know that you can uh, give online. Um, and I wanted to let everybody know all the awesome ministries that go on at this church because of the gifts that are given. We have the soup kitchen, the, um, the, the ladle of love. We have all the ministries with our children, with our youth. Um, so we have a lot of things going on because people continue to give. Uh, so let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Loving God, we pray that you will bless these gifts that are given. We pray that you will do awesome and mighty things for your kingdom through these gifts. God, not just the gifts, uh, the, not just the blessings here in our local community uh, that are so many, but also um, throughout the United Methodist around the world. As um, UMCOR helps build wells and do awesome things, we are so thankful that these gifts are used for, for uh, amazing, amazing things in the kingdom. Um, and God, we also pray for the gifts of time and service that are given. We pray that um, every hour, every, every act of service that is given through the church, um, and also just as our members in the community serve, we pray that you will use that uh, to bless others and to draw people closer to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
back on your week, um, think back about your week, and think of the places you've seen God at work this week. Okay? And also think back on this week and think of a few things that you're thankful for, right? Because during our prayer time, it's easy for us to come with all our burdens, but let's also think of a few things that we're thankful for today, all right? Let's think of what we're thankful for. Um, And then I also know that we also all have come in with some need or some concern on our hearts as well. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Loving God, we lift up our praise. We lift up these moments that we are thankful for these week, this week. Uh, we thank you for this week that we can look back and say we saw you at work. Um, we saw you at work at our jobs, at our, in our neighborhoods, in our family, and we thank you for that. We have much to be thankful for. But as we come with all the thanks and praise, God, we also um, have come here with burdens on our heart. We have, we have concerns. We lift those up to you. We have many unspoken requests here, and we also have um, those members of our church who are homesick, that are homebound. We have uh, people who are in the hospital. We lift them up. We lift up the caretakers as well. We lift up our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine. God, protect them. Keep them safe. Um, Let them know how much they are loved by you. And God, with so much going on in the world, sometimes we don't even know the words to say, and we're reminded of your words. As you said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I wanted to let the children know it's time to go to Children's Church, and y'all, they are going to have so much fun.
some songs today. Um, Come Thou Fount. Do you guys like the hymn, Come Thou Fount? That's one of my favorites. And there's a line that gets me every time, and I don't know if you notice it, but we say, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, right? And we, uh, we all wonder at times, whether we want to admit it or not. Uh, and I think in our passage today, that's what the people did. They wandered away from God. They took their, their eyes off of God and it causes them to not love their neighbors the way they should. So I've been following the lectionary. Um, so last week we um, did Amos chapter seven and today we're in Amos chapter eight. Um, so if you're here today and you wanna hear part one of this, you can go online and find last week. So um, we talked last week about how Amos was a sycamore tree farmer. Um, so God uses Amos to bring a really, really harsh message 
to Jeroboam, who was in charge of nor- northern uh, Israel. And uh, we talked about how the people there were mistreating the poor. They were slave trading and worshiping idols. Um, Amos is, is called by God to bring this really harsh message, this vision that he has. Now, he spends the first several chapters kind of giving warnings, but chapter 7 turns into visions, and they're really harsh. And today's passage is harsher than last week's. Can you believe that? So, um, and we talked about reading Amos from different perspectives. We talked last week about how you can read it in the view of the people that were receiving the message. These people who were abusing others. You could read it through that lens. We talked about how if you read it through the view of the oppressed people, it's like, oh my goodness, God's on my side. This is great, right? And then we read it last week in the view of Amos. We tried to imagine being this person called from the sycamore trees to bring this message that God has told him to bring. Today, I want us to read this in the view of the oppressor, the person who's receiving this message, the one causing the harm. Um, in the Common English Bible, it actually has a heading for the, for the passages, and it says, Judgment on Oppressors and the Hypocrites. It's a tough, tough message to hear. So this is Amos chapter 8, verses 1 through 12. This is what the Lord God showed me, a basket of summer fruit. He said, Amos, what do you see? I said, a basket of summer fruit. Then the Lord said to me, the end has come upon my people. I will never again forgive them. On that day, people will wail the temple songs, says the Lord. There will be many corpses. The corpses thrown about everywhere. Hear this, you trample on the needy and destroy the poor of the land. Saying, when will a new moon be over so we may sell grain? And the Sabbath, so that we we may offer wheat for sale. Make the ephah smaller, enlarge the shekel. Deceive with false balances in order to buy the needy for silver and the helpless for sandals and sell garbage as grain. The Lord has sworn by the pride of Jacob, surely I will never forget what they have done. Will not the land tremble on this account and all who live in it will mourn as it rises and overflows like the Nile and then falls again like the river Egypt. On that day, says the Lord, I will make the sun go down at noon, and I will darken the earth in broad daylight. I will turn your feasts into sad affairs, and your singing into funeral songs. I will make your people wear mourning clothes and shave their heads. I will make it like the loss of an only child, and the end of it like a bitter day. The days are surely coming, says the Lord God, when I will send hunger and thirst on the land. Neither hunger for bread, nor a thirst for water, but a hearing of the Lord's words. They will wander from sea to sea and from north to east. They will roam all around seeking the Lord's word, but they will not find it. Let us pray. Loving God, I pray that through this extremely hard text, that you will speak to our hearts, that you will teach us something, that you will help us to love you and to love our neighbors. God, speak to us through this passage, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. That's a hard passage for a Sunday morning, isn't it? It's kind of why I use the lectionary when I get to speak, because um, it challenges us to read all different types of passages, even those ones we would like to ignore. 
So verse 4 talked about trampling on the poor. And then verse 5, the merchants. It talks about the merchants. They complain that they can't sell on the Sabbath and religious holidays because they want to grow in their wealth. They become very greedy. Verse 5 talks about the merchants some more because they are making the ephah smaller and enlarging the shekel. There's a form of measurement and they are ripping off the poor. They are cheating on the measurements, right? Cheating on the money. And I have to ask myself, I don't think that just happened overnight. That was probably a slow process, right? Maybe one day, let's just, let's just cheat on the food just a little bit, right? And then it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And I don't know, I tried to think about this for myself when I read this. And the first thing that came to mind is when I buy a bag of chips, right? And I know, I know somebody out there afterwards is going to say, well, the air's in there to keep the chips from crumbling. But JT, when I buy a bag of chips... The bag is this big, and I think I'm going to have the best relaxing night on the couch with my bag of chips, right? But there's really only this many chips in there. You know what I'm talking about. But I think this was happening with all of their food. They're being ripped off. Those in need um, are not able to afford anything that they need to survive. Verse 6 even says they're selling garbage for grain. So all the good nutritious stuff, they can't get it. They're just getting garbage at this point. But it's being sold to them like it's good grain. Um, this would have been the really bad stuff that was just left over for cattle, but it's being sold to the poor. So now they're getting poorer, their health is getting worse. I don't know if you notice in verse 6, it's kind of even the harshest thing they did. Um, it says, in order to buy the needy for silver and the helpless for candles. It's talking about slavery and, and buying people. Desperate people selling themselves due to debt and difficult times trying to survive. Desperate people being treated as less than people. Their value is being treated as those of sandals or a piece of silver. And we have to ask that the people of Israel, the people of Jeroboam II and the people of northern Israel, did they know better? They knew better. They knew better. These people, their ancestors had been in slavery. They had been captive. They knew what it was like to be treated bad, and now they're doing the same thing. Not only that, they knew the laws from God to care for others. They knew what they were supposed to do. They knew that when they loved God, that meant caring for others, treating others with dignity, respect, loving them, caring for their needs. They would have known this rule from Leviticus 25, 39. If one of your fellow Israelites faces financial difficulties with you and sells themselves to you, You must not make him work as a slave. They would have known that. They would have known that. And here they are doing that very thing. Jeroboam and those in power have turned away from loving God and loving their neighbor. They're doing worse than not loving their neighbor. They're now trampling on their neighbors. Did they not learn from the past and their past stories? They would have known this past story too. Um, Ezekiel 16, 49 says this. This was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughter were proud, had plenty to eat, and enjoyed peace and prosperity. But she didn't help the poor and the needy. What a reminder for all of us to care for those around us. We ask ourselves, though, when we read this, we're like, what does this have to do with us, though, right? None of us are Jeroboam II. We don't run a nation. We don't have control over everything that goes on. But we do have a voice in things, don't we? We do. We do have a voice and we can stand up for what's right. I try to think, us locally, right? We have a stronger voice even here in Gadsden. We ask ourselves, what about our church? 
What about our neighborhood? What about our schools? What about us as individuals? Do we see things happening where the poor are trampled on? If so, in what ways? In what ways can we make a difference as a church, as a group, as individuals? Then I said, I think this happened gradually. What can keep us from going astray, right? The song said that we, we sang earlier, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, right? May we never, may we never, never wonder and, and, and start harming others. When it's my uh, time to preach on a Sunday, I always message JT and Benny about songs we're going to sing together, don't we? And uh, they always come up with the best ones. And um, they actually have books that'll even tell you what scriptures uh, match up with the hymns. It's really cool. But uh, so in digging for hymns this week, I found a really cool one. It's 592. And it was some of these words are some of the most powerful, I think, in our hymn book. And uh, I messaged JT. He said the tune might have been a little hard to sing today. (laughs) So we're not singing it. But if you want to look at it, you can. It's 592 in your hymnal. And uh, when I find hymns, I like to read the stories behind them, too. The, the authors of the hymns, they all have a story behind them. Even Come Thou Fount has an awesome story behind it. If you ever have questions about a hymn we sing and you want to know the story, talk to these two guys. They'll tell you the author, the story. They'll, they know it. So um, hymn 592 was written by a guy named Fred Pratt, Pat, Pratt Green. He wrote it in 1968. I imagine this was controversial when he wrote it. Um, See, there was a need in the, in the urban congregations. The communities had changed, and Fred Pratt Green would say some of the congregations were ignoring the poor in their areas. And he wrote this hymn, um, When the Church of Jesus Shuts Its Outer Door. When the Church of Jesus shuts its outer door, lest the roar of traffic drown the voice of prayer. May our prayers, Lord, make us ten times more aware that the world we banish is our Christian care. If our hearts are lifted where devotion stores, high above this hungry, suffering world of ours, lest our hymns should drug us to forget its, de- its needs, forge, us, forge our Christian worship into Christian deeds. Lest the gifts we offer, money, talent, time, serve to salve our conscience, to our secret shame. Lord, reprove, inspire us by the way you give. Teach us, dying Savior, how true Christians live. That is a powerful hymn, isn't it? I'm serious. Uh, if you ever want to like look through a hymnal, just ask and just borrow one for a week and look through there. The words are amazing. They're amazing. Now we're sitting here and we might say, well, we don't ignore the poor around us. We might be challenged to say that. We have to wrestle, but maybe sometimes we do. But we're doing many great things here at Gadsden First, right? Um, When I think about our our denomination with with United Methodist Committee on Relief, we we have missionaries. We do relief work. Um, This congregation, along with United Methodists all over North Alabama, just sent tons of money to the Ukraine. Did you know that? Some of you were a part of that. Um, The the United Methodist Committee on Relief helps build wells around the world for clean water. They do awesome stuff, right? But but we have to, again, challenge ourselves. The people of Israel um, were once captive, but they, they got wealthy, they had victories, they felt entitled, they felt better than others. 
And slowly, greed crept in. And before you know it, they are taking advantage of each other, uh, taking advantage of others, and doing terrible and unimaginable things. What prevents that from happening here as a church, as a community? May we never lose sight of where our blessings come from. I think that's important, right? I imagine these people in northern Israel, they forgot where their blessings came from. They forgot their love for God. They were prone to wonder. They were prone to wonder. This is such a hard passage to read, so I I really had to wrestle and find some positive. What are some things that we do that are the opposite of northern Israel in this passage? The ladle of love, of course, right? I know you were all thinking that. Our ladle of love is awesome. And if you've never been a part of that, ask how you can serve people on Friday. Our clothes closet, it was we clothe those in need. Our mission team, when they do awesome things over at Stripland Elementary School, right? This is the opposite of what was going on in this passage. But we talk about those things all the time. But what what about things like this, right? Filling up a stocking for those in need is the opposite of what was going on in that passage. The opposite of what was going on. And even outside of our church, I try to see signs of, of God at work and people loving others. And I couldn't help but think of the beautiful Rainbow Company, right? And I know you guys know what I'm talking about. You can go have lunch at the library. And they're, they're training kids at the school um, how to get jobs and how to work. And it's the best, it's the best thing we have. It's awesome. Um, So sometimes even we feel small, right? We feel small and we think, I don't have a ton of money. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to help. But in small ways even, we can make sure that the poor aren't trampled on, that people are loved, that they're treated with dignity and respect. I got to serve at Southside Methodist Church for four years, and they did the coolest thing over there. And they wouldn't mind me saying this, Southside Methodist Church was not a mega church, right? Their budget was not a mega budget, but their mission team had a mega heart, okay? A mega heart. So the principal over at Southside Elementary and the secretary over at that school, they knew that when there was a kid who had a birthday, um, they could call the church. See, sometimes kids at the school would have a birthday, but the parent would be having financial difficulty where they couldn't provide cupcakes or a cake, okay? So the school would call over to the mission team, and the mission team wouldn't just get a cake, right? It would be Spider-Man or like Wonder Woman, something really cool. It would be cupcakes or a cake, and they, the, the mission team would also get the plates and the Capri Suns, the whole nine yards, balloons, anything that's needed. Then the mission team would drop that off to the front desk at the school. They didn't need to get their picture taken. They didn't need to be in the newspaper for it. Nobody had to know they did it. Then the mission team, you know what they did? They didn't take it to the classroom. They left, right? Then that parent would come into the school. The parent would come into the school and take that party stuff down to the classroom. That's awesome. That's awesome. And it's the complete opposite of what Jeroboam and the people of northern Israel were doing. So sometimes it's those small, small things that might not seem like a lot, but it means a world of difference. To somebody who is in need at that time. I want to, in closing, challenge us with a few things, right? I'm about to read a letter by Martin Luther King, but even before that, I want us to challenge ourselves. We never want to find ourselves in the place that northern Israel was in. 
We never want to be trampling on anyone. We want to do the complete opposite of that. Um, Martin Luther King, he wrote this letter while he was in a Birmingham jail. I'm going to read the end of the letter. Because I don't know if you know this, Martin Luther King was one of the people that didn't avoid the book of Amos, right? When I was growing up as a kid, I never heard the book of Amos preached. Uh, but Martin Luther King did quote Amos quite a bit. And, and he even talks about Amos in this letter. And it's amazing. So here I want to read it. Though I was initially disappointed um, at being characterized as an extremist, as I continued to think about the matter, I gradually gained a measure of satisfaction from the, from the label. Was Jesus not an extremist for love? Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which uh, despitefully use you and, and persecute you. Was not Amos an extremist for justice? Let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Was Paul not an extremist for the Christian gospel? I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Was Martin Luther an extremist? Here I stand, I cannot do otherwise, so help me God. And John Bunyan, I will stay in jail to the end of my days before I make a botchery of my conscience. And Abraham Lincoln, this nation cannot survive, half slave and half free. Thomas Jefferson, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. So the question is not whether we will be an extremist, but what kind of extremist we will be. We will, be, will we be an extremist for hate or for love? Will we be extremists for the preservation of injustice or for the extension of justice? In the dramatic scene on Calvary's Hill, three men were crucified. We must never forget all three were crucified for the same crime, the crime of extremism. Two were extremists for immorality and thus fell below their environment. The other, Jesus Christ, was an extremist for love, truth, and goodness, and thereby rose above his environment. Perhaps the South, the nation, and the world are in dire need of creative extremists. That is powerful stuff, isn't it? To be an extremist for love, for compassion, an extremist to care for those in need in our community and around the world. That's amazing, and it's the opposite of what the people were doing in this passage. So at Thursday worship here in this sanctuary, we had a, a small group, and uh, Dr. Gordon Isbell, I don't know if you know him, he was in this service, and he talked about how Jesus was an extremist of forgiveness, too. And he talked about how important it was that Jesus forgave him and helped him forgive others. Right? So may we remember that today, too, that Jesus was an extremist for, of forgiveness, of hospitality, and of love. Let's pray. Loving God, as we read these really tough passages, may we be reminded that we are loved and that we are to love others the way that you love us. Help us to care for others. Help us never forget, never forget our call to love those around us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Closing hymn this morning is hymn number.
May we just ask ourselves, are we loving and caring for our neighbors? Go in peace.